0: Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, episode 119.
1: I also think it's important for young coaches, and I try to express this to my staff and and to anyone I talk to, understand the history of your profession and become an expert in that and see where these, who the giants are that we're all standing on their shoulders. This is the NSCA's coaching
0: podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA coaching podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. Today, we're joined by longtime NFL strength and conditioning coach of the New Orleans Saints, Dan Dowrimple. Dan, welcome.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. The only thing that would be better is if I couldn't be here because I was still working, but uh, since I'm not working, this the next, next best thing. Yeah,
0: no, I, you guys have had such great success with the Saints over the years, and you've been a part of that for such a long time. That brings about the recent recognition you got as the 2022 NSCA Professional Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year award for the nsca i i was digging back through some records and actually saw you were a finalist for the nsca college coach of the year before your time in the nfl uh i thought that was so cool that it kind of kind of went full circle and uh yeah Yeah. so uh if you would kick this thing off in usual uh podcast fashion just tell us your story your path in the field and uh, uh bring us up to today
1: so all right so we'll go way back uh since we, we've already determined i'm a long time uh, nfl strength coach i'm a long time strength coach in general um my pathway goes way back uh to my high school days when i first started really uh lifting weights uh to be a better athlete and and uh you know weightlifting and, and working out became a way for me as a young high school kid um to kind of become accepted and uh, become a better, you know, it's exactly all things that we push as strength and conditioning professionals where, you know, I live that example in that uh, I was the kind of the, the fat nerdy kid uh, trying to play sports um, and uh, not having a lot of great success at it, but, but plugging along, plugging along and uh, not really sure of my my way in life and, and who I was and all that and, and I kind of stumbled into our high school weight room and uh, started working out and that was my first athletic success. I, I ended up breaking a bench press record when I was a sophomore. I was 15 years old. I bench pressed 300, or 305 pounds to break our high school bench press record and that started really a love affair with strength conditioning for me and I not knowing really not knowing what i didn't know i moved on and uh, when i had opportunity to go to college uh, as a college football player at my university uh trying to determine a major i was the first member of my family to attend college and and uh um, and then obviously the first member to, to graduate, but uh, I had the opportunity, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I was, you know, the typical college prep courses in high school, but no real direction. But I thought I wanted to do something with, with working out. And so initially I kind of found athletic training and I thought that was where where I would go with it. And so I started and I, I went to Miami and I was going to major in sports medicine. Um, Actually at that time, it it, it actually worked out well for me because they had just a major in physical education and then the the athletic training uh, program was within that, but everybody had a major in in phys ed. And so I, I majored in that and I ended up playing as a starting as a true freshman, and the head trainer came to me at one point and said, listen, you're gonna have a hard time taping your own ankles. So you're gonna have a hard time, a harder time getting the clinical hours to be, be an athletic trainer. So I stayed in physical education. I took all the athletic training classes, exercise science classes as they came along, uh, but I was gonna be a football coach. And I had opportunity to, to, after I got done playing in college to have a short cup of coffee with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, didn't make the final roster, went back to school, finished my degree, I had opportunity to become a graduate assistant and I was coaching football. And just because of the fact that I was always a weight room junkie, I kinda got pushed into the weight room. And um, you know, as as an offensive line coach, uh, I was hired, my first full-time job was offensive line coach and I was the strength coach for football at Miami University. And uh, that lasted for one year, our staff was let go Randy Walker came in and he wanted a full-time strength and conditioning coach. And I was able to fill that role and I was off to the races. That was, you know, really December of 1989 when I was first named strength and conditioning coordinator, uh, the first ever at Miami university. And, uh, real quick aside from that, this is a little bit of a funny story. When I was hired the athletic director at the time called me and said, listen, we're going to hire you as a strength conditioning coach. Um, But you know, this was a position that coach Walker wanted. And so you're working with football. I know we have to hire you departmentally for NCAA rules and that, but you're a football guy and I want you working with football and and all that. And so I'm like, okay, great. Yes, sir. We go out to the the staff full staff meeting to introduce. um, Well, it was just a regular full staff meeting, but at that meeting, they are introducing me as a strength coach and, and, uh, the new position that I've been hired. And of course, the last thing he says now he's a football guy, you know, him as a football player, and he's been on the football coaching staff, but he is not the football strength coach. He is a strength conditioning coach for all sports. So I expect you to use him. So here I am 24 years old, my first full-time job. And right after the meeting, all the coaches come up and and they want to start talking about strength conditioning. And so I was thrown into it. And, um, I mentioned this uh, when we we're uh, in my uh, speech uh, at, the, at the conference accepting the award, um, but I obviously had a, a strange path as a strength conditioning coach, a unique path and that I, I never had a, a mentor. I never worked any, uh, under anyone. And so I mentioned this and I, and I really truly believe it that's where the NSCA became so uh, uh, important for my career development. Uh, the NS, the National Strength and Conditioning Coach, beca- our Strength Strength Conditioning Association became my coaching mentor. Um, I learned so much. You know, I would get that when I joined uh, initially joined, and it was like the world was open to me. And uh, through the journals and the and the research and the going to uh, scraping together money at the, at first to go to to the conferences, the first conference I ever attended, national conference was in St. Louis um we drove from oxford ohio over there a, a good friend of mine and uh and we drove over and we and we, we scraped up enough money i think we got a gas card to drive our car over there and then we scraped money to get a hotel room and we uh lived off supplements in the exhibit hall and, uh, for breakfast and lunch and then i think and we would go to uh, find a happy hour and uh, eat chicken wings and- nurse a, a, a picture of whatever that we had to buy um, and then that's kind of how we did it we just soaked up all the knowledge we could get and it was fantastic and from that point onward um, the NSCA has been just a very important part of, of my it's my go-to for for uh, scientific basis for some of the things we're doing and for looking at new ideas and and ways to do things and a lot of friendships through the association and and um, lifelong really, friendships that have developed as, as we went to conferences and met other coaches and, 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 and researchers and other people. So it, it's just been fantastic. And so, you know, the, the, the cherry on top was being named, you know, professional strength and conditioning coach of the year. This means a lot to me because it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's an association that has been so important to me and uh, to be recognized by the NSCA is just extra special. And then obviously you know, uh, for Leanne uh, to be the college. And, you know, I had the opportunity to kind of, she was a trainer, kind of a student trainer at Miami and and was kind of in love with the weight room the same way. It was a, my career path, kind of the same way. And so we, so I said, well, come on over here, join the cool kids and let's be strength coaches. And we, and we went in there and then she went on and, and, and learned under Joe Ken and uh, big house. and And so that all, Done, and she's where she is right now so I'm, I'm more proud of her than I'm excited for me in that uh, in that development
0: yeah Leanne Blinn at Arizona State um, it's funny when I talk to Leanne I always forget Arizona State has a hockey team just because I when I was there it was always you know 90 to 100 degrees you know getting ready for spring training and you know connecting with her and both of you won your respective awards this year and just such a cool story that you guys go all the way back to the beginning and she credits you with giving her that first nudge into the weight room and, uh, and just winning that award the same year. I know that meant a lot to her as well. So talk about your transition from Miami, from working in college into the NFL. What did that look like?
1: Well, it, it was, it was really interesting. So the way it happened, um, I went on after initially starting there and, and was a head strength conditioning coach for 16 years, changed my title quite a few times, uh, ended up as assistant athletic director. Throughout that time, you go through a bunch of different head coaches and, and assistant coaches in football. And one of those assistant coaches in the mid-90s, 1994, was Sean Payton. He was our quarterback coach. And um, and we, we formed a relationship, uh, you know, friendship and a respect for each other and, and uh, as young coaches back then. and. He went on and moved through various stops, and I stayed at Miami. And um, he got his, his first opportunity to be a head coach at any level, really, um, was here in New Orleans. And um, it's, it's again the NSCA ties into that real quick because he the NSCA the ASCA conference in 2006 and the NSCA coaches conference was in Dallas, and so we set up a, a plan to go attend that and go to the AFCA. And we were going to stay with the Paytons um, beforehand. And, and we went back and forth because they were in the situation we were in this year, whether or not they're going to make the playoffs. And, and uh, they ended up not making the playoffs. And then he started uh, doing some interviews, had some opportunities to become a head coach and he gets hired and long story short, he, he brings me along with them and I make the transition and it was um, people would always ask us what's the difference between college and the pros well uh a lot <laughs> uh nfl are the pros and and what i my experience was in college uh, you know i make that jump from from uh dealing with uh, our athletes there at miami university and now i'm in the nfl um the first big difference is age group instead of dealing with with people from 18 to 22 23 years old i'm picking up at 22 23 years old um and moving on to sometimes dealing with guys in the fort in their 40s you know drew Brees and i were together for 15 years um and so you know you're moving you're adjusting to dealing with older guys who are professionals they have wives and kids and families and it's their job so they're they're Different. They also have a lot more experience in terms of their training, and therefore they have some more opinions of what they should be doing. So you're, you're working with that. You also find out that I believe at the college level, the strength and conditioning profession has moved to the point where, um, you know, there a lot most of the time in, in football, you're you're kind of the right hand man to the head coach, and you, you're taking care. You're taking that, that level of uh, of uh, importance in the program you get to the NFL level and you find out right away that the players are the show. Um, And so the assistant coaches, it's, it's, I always liken it to like NASCAR where the assistant coaches and strength conditioning coaches and everyone else is kind of the, the pit crew and we're keeping the, we're keeping the product on the road. And so that's a different mentality of realizing that it's not all about you as a coach and it's all about the, the athlete. And, and so you're working with them a little bit differently than you would. It's not just saying, Hey, do this, because I say to do it, you really have to become a little bit more of a salesman and you have to have all your information. I was told, uh, actually before I became an NFL coach by some friends who are NFL coaches, if the players are going to listen to you, as long as they feel like you have valuable information And so as long as you're staying ahead of the game and you can help them reach their goals, they're going to keep listening. But the minute they feel like you don't have anything else to offer, it's over and uh, they're going to find somebody else. And so that keeps you on your toes. And it's it's a great challenge that way. Um, The other challenge that you have comparatively is in college, the season ends and you might have a few days off or weeks off, whatever. And then you pick up with the athletes and then you have them basically Full time for the most part until the next season starts in the NFL. We like you lose or win or you get knocked out of the playoffs or whatever it is on on uh, on Sunday, and you have an exit meeting on Monday or Tuesday, and basically you go from being full go full go full go full go to by the end of the day of that exit meeting, there's no one there. They go back to their hometowns, and and you have a few people that are maybe around doing rehab, you may have a couple guys that are local, and they may drop in and out. um, But you don't have access to them and it may be months again, you know, it might be April before I get to see them again, or it might be 2020, and we don't have an off season or 2021 and we have a real limited off season and so it, it really becomes a bigger challenge in terms of making long term changes through strength conditioning methods so Um, it's, it's a big adaptation and, uh, but it also has a lot of, uh, real fun parts to it and real exciting. And there's, there's, like I said, because you are with, with an athlete for longer than the four or five years you have, when you're dealing with college athletes, you do form some personal relationships that are, that are different. And it's more of a colleague relationship than a, than a, um, even player coach in some respects, because you do feel like I get getting back to the whole NASCAR analogy. You feel like you're kind of on the same page to, to keep this guy going. And, and so, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting. And there's, you know, people ask me what you like better. I said, uh, I like both for different reasons. No, oh, that's a, that's a good
0: perspective to have. And it's interesting that in professional sports, the time you have the most access to the players is when you're in your competitive season, you're, you're practicing, you have games every week, and then the time that you would typically think of as strength and conditioning time in the offseason, well, at the professional level, like you said, they're at home, they're, um, they're with their families, and they have uh, a little bit more uh a little bit more invested in what their off season training might look like. And other than being just a quality resource, that's, that's one of the real challenges of professional sports that maybe you don't see in the college game. I want to ask you, you know, you've done this at multiple levels for a number of years. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the strength and
1: conditioning profession throughout your career? I, I think uh, there's a number of changes. I think if you go into the college level, I think the number of positions that are available now in terms of the size of staffing um, and then the um, adjunct staff as well, you've got the whole sports science departments in some cases, at least you have people in, in, in place that are going to add some other, um, other information for you. Um, back when I was you know going for most of my time you know 16 years ago in college if I was going to do some sports science stuff I was going to go across campus to the to the exercise science department and maybe form a relationship with the college you know the professors there and and get some ideas and things and now I think there's there's people available I know at the NFL level uh, there definitely is and I think in college you have some actual sports scientists who are are dealing with maybe even on staff that are in charge of that, the player tracking and, and all that information. So I think the amount of information available to the college strength and conditioning coach and the pro strength and conditioning coach is has never been higher. I think um, obviously the, the, the money, um, and now there's a bunch of people coaching a lot of places are gonna say, what are you talking about? The money's better. Well, the money's a lot better than it used to be. My first job, I was hired for $13,500 and my first head as a head strength conditioning coach, I made 20,000. So, you know, I make more than that now, uh, obviously making a move into the NFL helps that. But, uh, I know that the, the guys that replaced me at Miami make more. And, you know, when I left Miami, we had myself and I had James Carsey was my, my full-time assistant. And I had a a couple. I was just lucky enough to have two GAs at that time, Matt Cady and, and Colleen Day. Um, and then when I left, now they've got I don't know how many coaches are working with different sports. And I did football, men's and women's basketball, ice hockey, volleyball, um, uh, and women's soccer by myself. Women's soccer kind of got, went on and off, but the the, the, the those those revenue, so to speak, sports. Um, we're all by myself. And then James kind of did everybody else. And we, we bring in, you know, the, the GAs to help a little bit. Now they've got, you know, a different person doing basketball and a different person doing football, a different person doing hockey and, and women's basketball and volleyball and that. So I think that's changed. That's just at Miami University. Um, Rules have changed, gone in and on, you know, in terms of contact. So that changes, um, obviously equipment it's amazing the differences in equipment that is available and how that has all changed and, and just walk around the exhibit hall and you see the different companies and you see all the stuff that's out there. And, um, you know, like in the, just different methodologies, like we use velocity based training uh, information in, in our program. I think that's becoming very common. I, I and, and and so the way that you can do that used to be just to have the Tendo and, and now there's so many different camera systems and, and various uh, other ways of doing that. And it's just exciting, you know, and, and, and it, it's something else to keep on top of it. Uh, obviously, managing the technology end of it is something I never had to deal with when I was coaching in college. And now, you know, just making sure we're up to date on our, our different technological pieces that we have in place and our testing and, and all that. So there have been tremendous and I think how the uh, like I, getting back to how I started getting it, how the profession is viewed you know now I think if you were in a college level and you didn't have a strength and conditioning department the players would be like, what are you talking about you know our dietitian Jamie Meeks and I go over talk about you know how everyone all the players that are coming out are just experienced you know expecting certain things from a sports. Uh, nutrition standpoint, they're they're expecting certain things from a strength and conditioning standpoint because that's just the way, what they've been brought up in, you know. So, um, it is it has changed uh, remarkably over the, the the space of thirty some years that I've been doing this. So,
0: I'm really interested in that collaboration aspect. You know, I we've all seen. Staffs grow, whether you're at small colleges all the way up to the NFL and that includes RDs, sports medicine staff, sports science as you mentioned, number of assistant coaches. there's, there's definitely more assistant roles now in the field than, than ever before. There's also mental health, mental performance, and uh, in all in, in just all the intangible specific areas we uh, work to help our athletes with now. How does that? You know, how has the role changed in terms of your communication with other professionals uh, on the staff, just in that staffs are a lot bigger today?
1: Well, I think it's, I think it's important. I think you do become more of a manager in terms of if you are in the, if you are in a position of leadership um, and your ability to collaborate with the different departments to make sure they they work together. You know, it, it's, it's interesting because unfortunately, I think a lot of times, and Jamie and I talk about this, I talk about it with our, with our sports medicine uh, people. A lot of times you get our, our different, the strength and conditioning area, the, the sports medicine area, the, the sports nutrition area end up sometimes stepping on each other's toes because in some ways, a lot of us come from backgrounds if we've been doing it long enough where we kind of had to handle those different areas. And now we don't, you know, like I used to have to worry a lot more about the supplementation piece and, and that, and now our, we have a full-time dietitian. So she handles all that stuff. And, and so I don't have to do that. Um, and as the trainers have the same thing, but sometimes you kind of forget that and it's easy to step on each other's toes. It's easy for me as a strength and conditioning coach to accidentally step in and think that I have a better way of maybe doing a rehab uh, training program. Where, where does that that handoff from sports medicine into performance, where, where exactly are we hand, where are we overlapping and where are we handing it off? And when should I step back and say, no, that's for the trainer to worry about or for the PT to worry about and vice versa. And I think sometimes that's our number one challenge um, to do that. And and then the other side of it, a a player comes up to me and asks about, creatine supplementation or whatever and it's important for me to say well i'm i i know something about that but i'm gonna i'm gonna point you over to jamie and make sure she she handles that and and and, and would be vice versa if they ask her training stuff because i think like our players for sure will bounce ideas off all the different professionals and it's almost in some ways it's like you know, I'm going to ask mom a question. I'm going to ask dad a question. I'm going to see whose answer I like the best (laughs) or see if they're actually talking to each other. Um, but that, that happens again. And so, you know, that's where it's important. And I, and I can't say I'm perfect with it because I, I fall victim to it as well, but I have to make sure that my staff is like, Hey, let's, let's make sure we, we, we don't, we don't, Metal and let's you know tend your own garden. It's a big enough. We got enough weeds in our garden. We don't have to worry about anybody else's garden and let them deal with that. And the most important thing is that the athlete sees and in a united front because they will divide and conquer if they can. And so you don't want to get in that. And it's just important professionally. Uh, same thing in some respects, you know the beauty of being a strength coach is a lot of times the player will come down and come in and sit in my office and, and vent, right? And, and you want them to have that ability, but you also don't want to be a sounding board at, for them to, you know, just complain about their coach or complain about their contract or complain about all these different things and feel like that all you're doing, instead of being just there to be supportive of them, all, you know, you're joining in the chorus because you definitely don't want to do that because, that's again, uh, unprofessional and, and, and can just create some issues you don't wanna to have to deal with. And you, you, know, you know, there's, I know one thing, I don't know everything. And, and so there are other professionals who know a lot more of what's going on in terms of, you know, how a guy's contract is or how much playing time he's gonna get or or what type of treatment he needs for a certain injury or what type of rehabilitation he needs or what his nutritional needs are. And so it's it's important to get that collaboration and 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 just let them know that hey we're maybe five fingers but we're formed together as a fist and we're invincible when we do that so or four fingers and a thumb I guess I'd be the thumb I'd be the the, the chubbier one so <laughs> that's awesome
0: uh you know you talked about how early in your career you were really thrown into the fire you know in the front of the room and all the coaches were coming and asking for programs and you had to figure it out on the fly now you're in a position of leadership where you get to be a mentor that maybe you never had. What's your approach to working with young coaches in the field and providing
1: that mentorship? Well, I, I try to do the best I can when I'm contacted by a young coach who's you know interested in, and obviously, you know, I, we get a lot of people that that, coach, I want to start, I want to be an NFL strength conditioning coach, and they're just getting out of college or whatever. And that's great. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily the best thing, jumping right in for your, for your overall, you know, development as a coach. I think I try to tell people this, and I think it's important that you get an opportunity to go coach. And so sometimes, you know, I would suggest to to uh, a a young coach just starting out, if they have an opportunity to be say a GA at a program that doesn't necessarily have the resources versus a program like these power fives that have, you know, all these assistant coaches and all these GA or intern positions or however it works now, because I know there's some differences in NCAA rules and stuff like that. But uh, if you have this opportunity, look for an opportunity, because maybe, you know, if I had an assistant or I had a GA at Miami back in the nineties, th- that person was going to coach because I didn't have enough people. And so I would try to coach them up to make sure they're coaching what I wanted the coach, but they're going to have an opportunity. They weren't just stocking coolers and, and organizing the weight room and making sure the right weights were on the bar or whatever they're actually coaching. And so that's a great opportunity for you. And my opportunity of learning on the, fly was is just so valuable because i i have some knowledge of things that most even my assistants having gone through a different path don't have you know how to fix things you know if you ever had to break down an olympic bar and, and because it's all locked in place and, and you got i find this bar back in the storage i'm like ah it's one more bar i could have and so i don't have a budget so i'm gonna get this thing to work again well i know how to do that and it sounds silly but that's something you know how to do. And I also think it's important for young coaches, and I try to express this to my staff and and to anyone I talk to, understand the history of your profession and become an expert in that and see where these, who the giants are that we're all standing on their shoulders. Um, That's important. And it's, and I think in general, in a lot of ways, because I talked to coaches of other sports and other, other areas. And, 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 and a lot of times the younger people coming out don't take enough time to, to learn that stuff. And you're like, well, what's that? What does that matter? Well, it, failure to know history makes you doomed to repeat it one. So, uh, you know, maybe learn a little bit, some reason why we do some things that we do, what, you know, that might set that up. Some of these programs that were developed, you know, why and how they were developed. And, you know, I think one of the best parts of my job is I, I was able to have Al Miller and I would challenge any young coach that doesn't know who Al Miller is, go find out who it is. <laughs> I was able to have Al Miller come in and sat in my office and, lectured me on what became his book, The System, several years before it came out. And that was awesome. And, and I look back at when I was at Miami University, I would be in my, my weight room and Weeb Eubank, if you're a football person and don't know who Weeb Eubank is, I would say, look that up as well. Come into my, my office and talk about, you know, coaching the Jets and the Colts and all that stuff. And I don't care. That's just cool. I don't care if you don't learn any new stuff, it's just an opportunity. And so I have that, and I got, I've had opportunities to sit down with Johnny Parker, you know, as a strength coach and, and, and some of these, this just giants. Um, and, and you learn so much from them, just because so they, they, they've forgotten more than, than I know. So I, I, you know, I try to learn that and, you know, I hope that someday, you know, I'll still be coaching when I get to their, to their age and, and maybe someone will think, you know, that, that maybe I have something to offer, but, you know, that's just, I just think it's, I think it's important to, uh, don't, don't speed up your career either. You know, sometimes we worry so much about where we want to get to that we don't take the time to really experience where we are. And, the best that some of the, I know this, some of the best strength conditioning coaches are working in high schools and are working with young kids. And and that really is much more important than what I do. I may be better compensated and, and you know, it may seem a lot cooler to do my job, but th- those, those people that are working with young kids and, and teaching them the love of strength conditioning that I have, um, that I got to learn on my own from dealing with my phys ed teachers in, in high school, the people that are doing that, that's way more important than, than, than what we're doing. And, and that's fulfilling. And, and so everybody wants to get to the end result and that's cool. But you know, if you're working at a small college and you're running the whole show and you're working with multiple athletes, best experience for me was dealing with athletes that I, of sports that I had never played because it taught me how to look at the sports that I did play. And really, instead of just doing things from a, from a uh, like, this is the way it's always been done. And this is what I experienced. I had to look at it and go, hey, is this the right way to do it? You know, <laughs> the best thing for me for football was learning was starting to work with ice hockey. Cause I never played competitive ice hockey and I had to learn the sport and learn how to, to evaluate it and learn what they're doing. And then I took that coach's eye and approached it with football. And it made my programming for football a lot better. So. You know, those kind of opportunities are just so valuable. Dan, that's such a powerful message. And I
0: had about 10 things I wanted to run off on and just ask you a, a ton more questions here related to that. But one thing that really stood out for me is, you know, just connecting with the history of the profession. If you're dedicating yourself to the strength and conditioning profession, if you want this to be your career over the long haul there's so much value in, in looking back to who's, who got this field started, you know, who are some of the key voices and names and stories that that really were the foundation of a lot of what we're working through and dealing with today. And, and I think back when I first got into the field and I went to a small liberal arts college, division three football player. And I wasn't, you know, I was a biology major, you know, I would, we didn't have an exercise science program, but I, had this interest in pursuing the field. And one thing that really stood out for me was when I would look up, and the internet was pretty new, but you could look people up and you'd look up these bios of strength coaches, or you'd get the NSCA journals and see who the column editor was and read their bio. And that was so powerful for me just to see what their story was. Oh, I was a I was a GA and then I got my first full-time assistant job or I had to intern here or It taught me these opportunities exist. It taught me the progression of things. And when you were saying that, it just really resonated with, with the history I had just coming from a small area of the country without a lot of strength and conditioning. And, you know, it speaks to the high resource programs and the low resource programs out there, you know, working at the high school level, it really doesn't matter where you're from. There's so much information out there that can, can get you connected with this profession and this field. And I think, you know, the way you share information, and we've always uh, been able to, to talk a lot about just these conversations in the field. It You know, our field is, we're an open book and we have so much to share and give to future generations. And uh, Dan, I'm just really happy you're with us today.
1: Well, that's great to be here. And I could tell stories for it. Here's the one thing too, that I would mention the tougher situations you put yourself in the cooler the stories are going to be later on in life (laughs) (laughs) if you're always in something where no one can believe i could tell stories of getting started at miami university and 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 that and no one i could tell stories from our first just when we got down here to right after katrina you know that's um, right now everybody nobody believes some of the stuff that was going on and and that you go through but um it just, if nothing else, if you're in a tough situation, you're a coach and, and you don't have enough and you're doing all this crazy stuff to, to get your program going, just keep in mind, someday you're going to be talking to people and you're going to tell these unbelievable stories and you're going to blow their minds. So at least you got that going for you. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh,
0: Dan, thanks so much. That was 2022 NSCA professional strength and conditioning coach of the year, Dan Dalrymple of the New Orleans Saints. Little. uh Teaser for what's coming up this July at our national conference in New Orleans. Dan will be one of the speakers there. So that's another great way to connect with Dan. Uh, Dan, thanks again for being with us. We'd also like to thank Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. From the NSCA, thank you for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We serve you, the coaching community. So follow, subscribe, and download for future episodes. We look forward to connecting with you again soon and hope you'll join us at an upcoming NSCA event or in one of our special interest groups. For more information, go to nsca.com. This was the NSCA's coaching podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is
1: the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.